So we're in week three, and uh, amazingly, it's Philippians 3 uh, we're looking at today. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Philippians. If you don't, don't worry about it. There will be uh, the scriptures on the screen. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Philippians. So I kicked us off on week one. And I looked at about advancing the gospel. I spoke about how in Acts 16, we have three people. The, the jailer, the uh, Lydia, the, the rich business lady. And we also had the w- woman that was uh, possessed by an evil spirit. And these three people uh, met with Paul and Silas. They converted to Christianity. And they started uh, the first church in Philippi. And that was the original church plant. And I talked about how we should be in unity. And then Dave Gawler spoke last week about staying together, how we needed each other. He gave us that um, illustration. Do you remember? We had a box uh, and we, four of us carried the box and we walked to the other side. And then we put someone else in there, which was Freddie at the time. We put Freddie in there and how we were trying to hold it and keep him safe. And actually, the things uh, that we prize, people, uh, we want to so much more keep safe. And that we should be in unity and go forwards in the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. But as you found Philippians 3, uh, this morning, I'm going to bring us a message on having no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. So, what is the gospel? Well, C.J. Mahaney, an American uh, evangelist, preacher, he writes this. He says this. Never be content with your current grasp of the gospel. The gospel is life-permitting, world-altering, universe-changing truth. It has more facets than a diamond. Its depths man will never exhaust. He's saying that our understanding of the gospel it gets bigger as we know more about Jesus. That we should never settle with what we understand of the gospel. Actually, it, 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 we can never fully grasp it because it's life-changing today, tomorrow, next week, month, next year. And for us, as followers of Jesus here at the Vine Church, we believe that the gospel is the hope for all mankind to have a relationship with God and to have eternal life. It is Father God, out of his mercy, out of his grace, he sends his only son to this earth, born through a virgin, Mary. He lived a life for 33 years, and then he died on the cross so that he took on our burdens. He took on our shame, our guilt, our mistakes, what we in many ways call sin, and he defeated it by rising three days later. He declared, it is finished. He declared, no more sacrifices. You don't need to do anything else but from believing and following me. See, unlike many things in this world, the gospel is not exclusive. You don't need a membership card. Thankfully, today when you came in, you didn't need to show your membership card and say, I've got a card, I can come in. You don't need to even fully understand everything. But you need to believe because it's inclusive. 
It's about following and growing and learning. The gospel is about a new way of life. And it's for everyone who believes. See, this gospel is life-changing. It's changed our lives and it's changing our lives on a daily, um, daily thing. And C.J. Mahaney says, we should never get tired of hearing how great this gospel is. We should never get tired trying to understand it more. We should never get tired of actually thinking, what does this mean for my life? Like Sue's testimony today. Let's read Philippians 3. We're just going to kick off verses 1 to 6. Further, my brothers and sisters. So this is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. That's what I'm speaking about today, no confidence in the flesh. It's in the Bible. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I've been circumcised on the eighth day. Anyone been circumcised yet? Don't answer that question. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's talking about his family here. In regard to the law, a Pharisee as is for zeal. Persecuting the church as for the righteousness based on the Lord, law, faultless. Watch out for those dogs. So picture the scene. You know, someone gets in front of a congregation, a synagogue, and uh, he's reading this letter he's got from uh, uh, Paul to the church in Philippi, because Paul was in prison at this point. Um, And he starts off by saying, watch out for those dogs. You know, he's talking about people in the church being dogs. Evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. See, you're thinking at this moment in time, can really Paul call people dogs in the church? You know, if I I stood here this morning and started calling you, some of you, dogs, you would literally probably punch me. Because the words, it's, it's insulting. But I'll let you know, it's more insulting in Paul's day than our day. Because as far as I understand, is people didn't really keep pet dogs those days. They didn't love the dogs. Dogs would roam the streets, and they saw as vicious people. And they would, like, they would bite you. They would, be a, they would be an annoyance. And then he's calling some people dogs, evil people. He doesn't hesitate I'll be like, Paul, you're being a bit too, this is a bit too strong, Paul. You know, this is a bit too rude. You know, we're all followers. We're trying to work out our faith. You know, dogs, you know, that's a bit too much. But who was he calling dogs? Who was he calling the evildoers and mutilators of the flesh? He was calling the Judaizers, if that's how you pronounce it. And they were Christians who teached it is necessary to adopt Jewish customs and practices, especially found in the law 
to be saved. So they were people that teach that you can be a Christian, you can be a follower of Jesus, but you need to keep some of your old ways, some of your old practices to carry on being saved. Basically, they were the people that were put in confidence in their flesh. The dogs are the ones that put confidence in their flesh. They were going back to old ways, old habits and lifestyles. The do's and the don'ts, the rituals. I've got to do this, I've got to do this to have my salvation. He was speaking to all the people that were putting a plus sign on the gospel. Gospel plus works. Gospel plus the perfect life. Gospel plus my previous life. Gospel plus being circumcised. Gospel plus my agenda. The gospel plus my money. The gospel plus I. The gospel plus plus the gospel plus. He was talking to the people that had become reliant on something or someone else rather than the gospel. See, the gospel is about believing and trusting in God. It's not about believing and trusting something or someone else. It is not about having confidence in our own flesh and what we can do. Paul goes on then in verse 5 to 8. Circumcised on the eighth day, we've read a bit of this, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church as for the righteousness based on the law and faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. See, Paul here is reflecting upon his life. He's saying that if you're going to put confidence in your flesh, I have the best reason to do it. Because I was a Pharisee, the strictest religious group at that time. I persecuted the church. And then we can talk about my family line. You know, I, I'm a Hebrew. I, I, I'm from, you know, the tribe of Benjamin. You know, look at my family. Of course I'm going to be saved. But he says, no, no, this is all loss. This is not necessary. It's not something I need. It's not something I want. But it's about knowing Jesus. He calls everything in many ways of things that we can get, think that we can be saved from. He says it's garbage. It's rubbish. You don't need it. I want to um, play a little game. Can I have a couple of volunteers? If possible. Just two or three volunteers. Come on forward. So this game, this bin, I'll give you a couple each, is going to move around. And you've got to try and get them in the bin. I'll do it just here so people can see. You've got to try and get it in the bin. Oh, he's jammed. He's had a few problems. Can everyone see? Basically, the bin is moving around and opening, closing its lid. And um, Dick and Al are not very good at the game. Just to let you know, my two sons did better than you. No, joking. 
and it's got stuck again. Oh, well done, Al. Oh, Dick. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Oops. Just broken it. So Paul is saying here that if, if there is many things that we put the plus sign on our lives and on the gospel which we don't need and they are all garbage, that we should throw them in the bin. They are rubbish. You do not need them for your life. You don't need them for your relationship with God. He's saying that you don't need them. It's about, I'm not going to become reliant on something I don't need to be saved. I'm not going to become reliant on my family. I'm not going to become reliant on my money. I'm not even going to become reliant on my fears and worries because we can become reliant on our fears and worries. I'm not going to become self-reliant, but I'm going to become God-reliant. I'm going to choose to be God-reliant instead of self-reliant. Joel, the game's finished. He's tidying up. He likes tidying up. Let's read together Luke 9. Luke 9 says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let first me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Following Jesus is a call to leave all things behind and throw some necessary rubbish, some garbage, things that we don't want or need in the bin. It's about not becoming self-reliant, but God-reliant. And, you know, you read this passage and you think in the same ways, Jesus is a bit harsh. Let him say goodbye to his family. Let him bury his father. And Jesus is making the, in many ways, outstanding point to say, actually, following Jesus could cost you everything. He's not his Jesus and loving. He's saying that, actually, you're willing to potentially not even say goodbye to your family, the closest people to you. You're willing not even to bury your father to follow me because that is the potential of how much it costs. See, Paul in Philippians describes it as a loss of rubbish. Sometimes we don't need things like this to make our lives better. See, becoming a Christian is a new way to be human. See, when you get baptized, as many of you have been baptized, we talk in the language of new life. It's a new you. You're learning a new way of doing life. You've lived a life whenever you got baptized 20, 30, 50 years before. And now as a follower of Jesus, you've, you've sort of got, come out of fresh. You're learning a new way of life. 
And it's not about following rules or regulations or the perfect life. It's not about putting a, the gospel with a plus sign to say this is the way you will be saved by doing what I used to do. But it's about learning and rediscovering a new way of doing life and living by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two Sundays ago, uh, after church, well, it was about four or five o'clock, uh, I put Joel in the push chair and we went round to our local Tesco's Express. And I usually do it most Sundays around this time. Do you know why? Because they do all the yellow labeling. They give you all the reductions at that time, especially in the local Tesco Express. And you get loads of meat and bread and croissants or whatever you want. Well, not whatever you want. Really cheap. So I went to the local Tesco Express, and uh, Joel was in the pram. I went round, and I filled up the pram with lots of food. I went to the till, I emptied all the uh, food out, and I paid for the food. I went out the shop, I went to go home, and about 50 meters away uh, from leaving the shop, I soon realized I could see some chicken at the front, um, which was £1.65, I think, but I didn't pay for it, basically. Um, it just sticked out. I was like, oh, I haven't paid for that chicken. And I felt a bit like guilty inside. And I thought, I've got to go back and pay for it. So I quickly rushed back. I went to the till and I went to the guy and said, I've paid for everything else, but I haven't paid for chicken. I just didn't see it in my trolley, uh, in my pram. And he was like looking at me like I was weird. Like, why have you come back? You know, we would never notice that you took it back. And so I, I, I paid for it, uh, obviously. Um, I did think to myself, Mr. Tesco's is very rich, so <laughs> would anyone... No, no, I didn't really. But I paid for it, and I was sort of thinking inside me is that... You know, if I don't pay for it and then I get a call from the police and I'll go to prison, you know, this is likely not going to happen. But your mind goes through there. And I'm thinking of those things because I'm thinking of the consequence. The consequence of stealing is prison. The consequence of a speeding fine, a speeding ticket is £60 fine. See, a lot of things, we don't do things because of the fear and the consequence of a negative outcome. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to speed in fine. I don't want to break a law. We do it often, really, it's based in fear of the other stuff, although it's good things to do not to do that kind of stuff. But a relationship with Jesus should never be based upon fear. It should be based upon love. If I don't do this, what would be the consequence? If I don't go to church, if I, if I don't tend life group, what it will be the consequence? And we do things out of fear, but the relationship of Jesus should be out of love. That when we see everything God has done for us, we hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It desires us to go to be with other Christians church. It desires us to serve God. It desires us to give to God. It's not based out of fear. It's based out of a loving relationship. And this is what Paul is trying to do in this passage in Philippians 3. He's given them a danger sign. Have you ever gone for a walk and you've seen a sign? Don't go down that path. You really want to go down it, right? <laughs> Don't go too close to the edge. You go closer to the edge. But you know you're not going to go the whole way because you know potentially there'll be a 50-foot you know, drop down. Or, or potentially there might be some mad cows in the field or something going to kill you. Or there might be snakes or something. Maybe that will happen. 
But in many ways, Paul in Philippians 3 is giving you a, a warning sign. Church, dogs, evil people, uh, you know, th- there's some people here that they want to add a plus sign on the gospel. That you have to do things this way. You have to do things by this rules. But the gospel is good enough. It should lead you into a loving relationship. It's about, not about what you do. And he's saying that some of you, you need to throw some rubbish away. You need to stop doing things because that's not earning your salvation. But it's so hard. It's like the, what Al and Dick were doing. You're like, you want to throw it away, but the bin just keeps moving around and it just keeps closing its lid. And it's easy to hold on to things because we're feared and worried that maybe the consequence will be, you know, not the right consequence. But Paul says, the things you're doing to earn the gospel of Jesus Christ is literally rubbish. They don't have an advantage to your life. But then he talks about that you gain something. Verse 10 says this. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. See, this, in many ways, is the goal of the Christian life. To know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection is about the life. The peace, the joy, the kingdom. As a believer and a follower of Jesus, we want to know Jesus more. We want to know his power more. We gather here this morning to know Jesus more. And to see the power of his resurrection, the power of his kingdom uh, outworked amongst us. That we will see healings. That we will see miracles. We will see transformation. We will see answers to prayer. The power of his resurrection. This is the goal of the Christian life. This is what you gain. By following Jesus, it might not give you more money. By following Jesus, it might not give you a husband. By following Jesus, it might not cause you to live to a hundred but what it will do is that you will know him and the power of his resurrection and this is the good news this is good news but there's one thing satan wants to distract you he wants to take your foot off the pedal for achieving this he wants you not to trust god with your life how many of us ever got distracted we sit down on the computer to do some work and we go on bbc or you go on another website, Facebook, whatever it is. You go, you go to the shops, you bump into someone, an hour later, you haven't achieved what you ever did. You go shopping for a t-shirt, you buy some trousers. Ladies, obviously and men as well, that's a bit, it's a bit sexist, right? <laughs> Sorry. Can we edit that one out? No. <laughs> we probably all do it. But there is a serious distraction to our relationship with Jesus Is there a serious distraction to our healthy soul, to our spiritual life? And that is thinking that we can add things onto the gospel to achieve salvation. Things of I need to do more. The distraction of actually if I I do this, add a plus sign. Oh, it's gospel plus my agenda. The gospel plus I. The gospel plus the laws. The gospel plus this and that and this. Whatever your garbage is. But the gospel is good enough and our response should be, I want to know him more and the power of his resurrection. Paul then goes on to verse 12. We're not going to read it. But he talks about, which many of us are, he talks about that I forget my past and I press on. 
And this forgetting word is that it's not really like completely forgetting everything. You can't forget everything, can you? Like, like if you cut yourself, you can heal, but it might leave a scar. And in our lives, we might have things in our lives where we cut ourselves and we do heal, but it's still there. And this word for forgetting isn't completely forgetting everything. It's saying I still have the scars of life, but I will press forward. I will go forward in my relationship with Jesus. I will go forward in knowing the power of his resurrection. 100 years ago, well, a bit longer than 100 years ago, there was a wealthy family, and there was a man from this family, a young man in many ways. He entered Yale University. This is the guy. You ever heard of him, William Borden? William Borden, he was a multimillionaire, came from a rich family. He entered Yale University, and... uh, There was something unusual about him. It wasn't that he had lots of money, but he had a heart and a passion for Jesus. He started a small prayer group that actually gave birth to a movement. By the end of his first year, this man saw 150 people attend his prayer group. By his last senior year, he saw over 1,000 people attend his prayer group when there was only 1,300 students in Yale University. His family intended that after completing his degree, he would find a suitable career in America. But God gripped his heart with the needs of China. He volunteered to go to the country with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the dismay of his family and friends. He left America but he was actually going to China to work among Muslim uh, groups out there. So he stopped off in Egypt to learn Arabic. While he was there, he contracted spinal meningitis. And with a month at 25 years old, he died. He never made it to China. He never made it. But after his death, they found in his belongings a note that summarized his life. No reserve, no retreat. No regrets. See, this man devoted his whole life, a millionaire, a well-educated man, and he had a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, this is not about going to China, but this is about going to our own homes, our own neighbors. This is about going to our own workplaces, the people we rub shoulders with every single day. It's about us being a light, being a witness, a disciple of Jesus amongst the people God has called us to be. It's about, in many ways, our China. And the thing is, if it's not you or if it's not me, who is it then? See, the journey of a disciple of Jesus is long, it's hard. There's mountaintops and there's valleys, there's joys and there's sufferings. There's much unknown and there's much wandering. But for Paul, he was focused on pressing on, leaving the past behind. I've got the scars, but I would press on. David, Dr. David Livingstone, who went to Africa as a medical missionary, when he came back to Great Britain, they asked him, where do you want to go now? He said, with immediate answer, 
I'm ready to go anywhere provided it is forward. Provided it's forward. One of the greatest things about following Jesus, but also one of the hardest things about following Jesus, is this. And are you ready for this? Is trusting God. See, I believe the whole Bible is pointing to this question. Every book, every story, every character we find in this Bible is asking really the same question. Will you trust God with your whole life? Will you trust God that what he's done through his son dying on that cross and resurrecting, that is enough for you? Will you trust God with your family, with your friends? Will you trust God with every part of your health? Will you trust God with your whole life? That is the question the Bible speaks. To gain that you might know him and the power of resurrection. See, God has called each one of us to press on. To move forwards in the upward call to the places, to the families, to the friends, to the neighbours, to the workplace, the people we see down the street which we rub shoulders with. He's called us into these places to be his disciples, to be his witnesses and his light. But he's saying you don't need to add more onto the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need to wake up in the morning and think I need to do this. And often we don't say it. It's unconscious, isn't it? We don't need to live by fear. We need to live by love. We need to watch out for those dogs who are opposing and distracting us to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. In a minute we're going to break bread. But before we do that, Give us an opportunity to watch a video, a music video, which will reflect upon what we're speaking about this morning.
Father God, we thank you that our salvation is from the entire work of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. We thank you, God, that, that we don't need to do anything. We can just be the people you've called us to be. I thank you, God, we don't need to add a plus sign onto the gospel. We thank you, God, that you called us to come to you. Lord, if we are weak and we are tired, if we wake up in the night or we're out in the day, that actually we need to run to Jesus. And I thank you that you are the sufficient God for us. You are enough for us. And I want to thank you that actually we need you, God, in every part of our lives. And Father God, I just pray that, Lord, that you would have your way in our lives. That we would trust you with every part of our lives. Not holding back, but letting go and let God. Amen.